Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the coming of Jesus Christ, when He, at the door of hope, will come be glorified in the bodies of His saints. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to Your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice for your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms. And we ask that you continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The Book of Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 22-24 That you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. The right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. There are two forms of life that exist. The former way in which we were born and that many of us continue to be in or were in before and the new way of life that is needed that we need to receive and we need to clothe our body into. To fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. It's not possible to put off if we don't yet see this former life in us. We need to see it first. And when I saw it and I hated it, then I received the ability to put them off. But until I see all these qualities of our former way of life uh, or of the former way of life in our fathers or other people instead, then unfortunately we will not be able to put it off. We have to see it in ourselves first. We need to see our father, our mother, our grandpa and grandma, uh, the qualities that they may have had that we didn't like, we also have in ourselves. And we have the right then to say, Lord, I deny my former way of life. I reject it. I repent in the sins of my fathers in this way. Lord, forgive me for the sins of my fathers. But you don't pray like this. You say, I <clears throat> I reject the, f the former way of life, the sinful life of my fathers. You have to reject it. And you ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. And so we need to renew our mind is the next step. 
by putting on the new way of life is possible if we were able to renew our mind. And so we continue talking about this. According to the mercies of God and the words which the Lord has passed on by His Apostle. Fulfilling these three requirements, put off, be renewed, and put on, will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed. Why is it given in the format of a seed? So that we can obtain it as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. If a seed, the salvation we receive in the form of a seed, it, if it remains this way, but if it, it, nothing will happen, but if it dies, it will produce fruit and we will keep ourselves in salvation. And so relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory that is contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David consisted of the eight names of God allowed David to call upon the Lord and love the Lord who is worthy to be praised and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these, our inheritance in Jesus Christ. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. <clears throat> May the Lord make us worthy of these mighty names <clears throat> so that we can, in Jesus Christ, possess these characteristics, these qualities. In a specific format, as much as God has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the form of the virtue of three names of God, strength, rock, and fortress. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, studying the name of God, Redeemer. They are all connected together, of course. There is a sequence that exists. In the beginning, the Lord wants to show himself in his name's strength, that he's unchanging in his word. Why are you unchanging in your word? Because I have magnified my word above all my name. I became a servant of my own word. I am unchanging in my words. If you will shout to me and cry to me and ask things that are against the scriptures, I can't do anything for you because I am a strong God. Lord, you are my strength. You are unchanging in your word. This is his first name. Second, when we reveal God in his name, strength, we together now have magnified his word above all his name. We together with him. The, the Lord then allows us to become familiar with his next name, Rock. <clears throat> Here we begin to weigh ourselves with the commandments that we've learned. We put it into our essence, this truth, <clears throat> and we became, begin to weigh ourselves and cleanse our conscience from all dead works. After we have cleansed all of this, we can now approach God. Why do we approach God? 
to be able to receive the seed, to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, so we can grow that promise that we hear. And after we approach God and we are fertilized with his seed, now we can receive him as our redeemer. I can redeem you because of the seed that's in you and you need to grow that seed. And be grown into full measure of growth in Christ so that you together can, with God, lead his battles. Enoch bore Methuselah 300 years. He walked before... uh, Uh, before Methuselah and so all his daughters and sons they were subject to the Holy Spirit and it's because he bore Methuselah these are children he had after him and as we read the works of our pastor God gave him the name Enoch dedicated but for him to reveal the potential of his name dedicated he needed to when he was 65 to bear Methuselah and Methuselah was able to opened up that potential that was in his name Enoch and the Lord then took him took Enoch God received his dedication this Enoch of course was different from the other Enoch that came from Cain and so this Enoch uh, he bore Methuselah he was able to grow his fruit he was able to reach his potential and correspond to it And so the name of God, Redeemer, the quality in lexicon identifying the name of God, Redeemer, as the previous names of God, cannot be found in any existing dictionary of the world. What is Redeemer, or what does it include, when we say, Lord, you are my Redeemer? First, He is the chief of the covenant. The Lord redeems only those who have made a covenant with Him. Baptism of water, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and baptism baptism of fire. Second, Redeemer is he redeemed from the captivity of sin and death or delivered from the captivity of sin and death. Sin and death of our own fathers and our own sin. And we can be redeemed from this. He's also savior of the body. The fullness of salvation, not just the salvation of our soul and our spirit, but also our body. Fourth, Identification of Redeemer is protector from the wrath of God. He is the protector of his own wrath. He has redeemed us from hell, from the curse of the law, but also he protects us from his own wrath. Fifth, he is the restorer of rights to an inheritance. He places us as his holy thing into his safety. And when we become his holy thing, we do so when we honor him and we give to him what belongs to him, our tithes and offerings. And the Lord allows then us to give ourselves as something holy to him. And seventh, keeping our guarantee until the coming of Christ. The name of God, Redeemer, does all of these things. In the given prayer psalm of David, The name of God, Redeemer, contains the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom a person receives the ability 
to invest a guarantee of his salvation like you would a down payment so that you can receive a profit in the form of the salvation of your soul and the adoption of your body by the redemption of Christ. Collaborating with the name of God, Redeemer, allows us to receive profit, the salvation of our soul and redemption of our body, adoption of our body in the redemption of Christ. And so when our spirit is born, the Lord wants you to become familiar with the name Redeemer so that he can help you deliver you from your soul, your your sinful soul and the carnal body. Considering such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every area of our essence both the role of God and the role of man, and for this purpose we've come to the necessity to study a series of questions. First, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God Redeemer? What purpose is our inherited lot in the name of God Redeemer called to fulfill in the realization of our salvation? What price do we need to pay to give God the ability to be our Redeemer? And by what results do we need to determine that God is truly our Redeemer in the realization of our calling? We already answered the first question and today we will be studying the second. And so second question, what purpose is our inherited lot in the name of God Redeemer called to fulfill? in the realization of our salvation. What an amazing purpose. We will keep in mind <clears throat> that God, with the abilities of his name Redeemer, will deliver us only from the things and circumstances that are barriers and hindrances for entering our calling or our purpose, consisted of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. And so we say, Lord, if we're saying, deliver me from my husband or my wife or my children, the Lord will say, well, they were never barriers or hindrances within your, within your calling. <clears throat> and so if the Lord delivers us from our husband or our, or our wife, the Lord sometimes uses relationships, of course, to form us to... <clears throat> To, to reform us into a better image. And so the Lord will deliver us only from those things again that are a barrier or a hindrance in achieving our calling. And so let's look at the purposes. First purpose contained in the name of God Redeemer is called to provide God with the legitimate grounds to deliver us from the snares of the fowler of our souls. Psalm 91, 1-4 He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers. <clears throat> and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. <clears throat> In the giving allegory, we need to pay attention to the circumstance where God receives the legitimate grounds that he needs to deliver us from the snare of the fowler of our soul and from the perilous pestilence identifying, identified as this governing sin within our body when we fulfill two conditions. First, if our head is covered with a covering testifying of our acknowledging God 
as our authority and his authority over ourselves, his delegated authority, his messengers, in the form of the person clothed as a father from God, which is for us the secret place of the Most High and shadow of the Almighty. And so this way he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. You need to be in the secret place and under the shadow of the Almighty. You need to have your head covered. You need to acknowledge God's messengers, his authority over yourself. We're talking right now about how to be delivered or how to collaborate with the name of God, Redeemer. Our head needs to be covered, to be under, in his secret place and under his shadow. And second, if we are already under the shadow, now we confess before God the faith abiding within our heart and say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. These two conditions are required for us to be able to be delivered. So our head needs to be covered and we need to confess the word of God. And then the Lord says, I will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and perilous pestilence. We more than once have paid attention to the fact that the heavens, the earth, and hell are closely interconnected by informational fields, and everything that happens on earth immediately with its unique echo resonates in heaven and in hell as well. And so everything, again, that happens in this physical world amongst people immediately with an echo resonates in heaven and in hell because both the heavens and hell are chained or are we could say glued with their attention to the earth and are fighting for the heart of the man who lives on earth who is endowed with sovereign rights by god to choose between being a house of god or being a house of the evil one we need to understand that when a person is born from the seed of the word of truth and receives into his heart the guarantee of his salvation, the unclean spirit living within his heart in the form of governing sin, whom he, whom the old man represents, comes out of the heart of man and wanders through dry places of his soul and his body, seeking peace. Very interesting. When we're born again, we receive this moisture into our heart and then this unclean person in the form of the old man comes out of the area of our spirit and wanders through these dry places of our soul and body in the moment we're born again we're still carnal and so we will now look at how you could put moisture into your uh, soul and body <clears throat> Matthew twelve forty three through 45 when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. Matthew twelve forty three through 45. Dry places is a heart that is cleansed from dead works, but not having in itself living water, which is called to represent the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ within a cleansed heart of man and the individual Holy Spirit who reveals the truth within the heart. Such a heart will 
absolutely be transformed into these dry places. And so a heart that was cleansed from dead works, it was cleaned, it says in this place of scripture, <clears throat> it was put in order, but they did not make sure to put moisture of the Holy Spirit there. The Holy Spirit will never come if the truth, the teaching won't be there. The Holy Spirit only comes there where His truth is, or the truth of God is, the Word of God is. But the person didn't make sure that the Word was there, and this did not allow the Holy Spirit in the form of this moisture to come in. And so when this unclean spirit wandered around these dry, or through these dry places in our spirit, in our soul, in our body, and he says, I will go back to the spirit and see what's there. And he goes there and sees that it's dry. The word of God, Holy Spirit are not there. And then the unclean spirit says, the Holy Spirit isn't here. The house is empty. I will go and take seven more religious demons than I and this person becomes very religious uh, arrogant prideful and it will be very difficult if not impossible to then change him anymore because you need to put moisture into or water into your spirit then your soul then your body and so our heart can be transformed into a dry place when it is cleansed but the Word of God was not placed there, the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth was not placed there, and our heart transforms then into this dry place. My own personal opinions and thoughts and outlooks began to take take the place of or occupy that space. And so the heart of a person it becomes this dry place. This is when a person cleans out his heart, but does not pay the price for learning so that he can imprint the elementary truth of the teaching of Christ upon the tablets of his heart, which would be able to become a fortress for the Holy Spirit to serve as a guarantee within the heart of man in the form of the water of life. And such a person, according to scripture, belongs to the wicked generation. He needed to be a student or make himself a student so that upon the tablets of his heart the word of God would be and the Holy Spirit can come to this word in the form of the water of life. And if cleansing the heart from dead works includes denying your nation, the house of your father, and the corrupt desires of your soul by the power of the blood of Christ, then imprinting the elementary truth of the teaching of Christ upon the tablets of your heart is called to be within our heart a fortress for the, for the Holy Spirit so he can pour from our heart as a water of life flowing to eternal life which contains in itself the treasure of the covenant of blood, covenant of salt, and covenant of rest or covenant of peace. If we have cleansed our heart from dead works, then this is for the purpose so that we can imprint upon the tablets of this cleansed heart God's truth, how important it is to do this. If we pay the price for the right to be in the secret place of the Most High and rest under the shadow of the Almighty and will say to the Lord who He is to us in Jesus Christ, what He's done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to Him in Jesus Christ, He will deliver us from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. He will cover us with His feathers and we will find ourselves under His wings of refuge. This 
all happens when we allow this water <clears throat> to be within our heart. Without this water or moisture, we can lose the guarantee of our salvation because the guarantee of our salvation is in this holy in the Holy Spirit in this water. And the Holy Spirit will not be there, as we know now, if the Word of God will not be there. You have to put the Word of God there first. This heart will then become occupied with this unclean spirit and seven more evil than he is. A person becomes very carnal, religious, and arrogant. And today the churches are filled with such people. Because people don't want to be students. Second purpose contained in the name of God Redeemer is called to give God the proper basis to remember us in his favor toward his nation when he will be showing his favor remember me Lord also at this time and visit us with his salvation so we may see the benefits with the chosen by God remnant <clears throat> Psalm 106 4 through 11 remember, remember me O Lord with the favor you have toward your people O visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders, they did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them in his name, for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power known he rebuked the red sea also and it dried up so he led them through the depths as through the wilderness he saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy the waters covered their enemies there was not one of them left according to the given prayer plea it is referring to two separate categories of nations led out of Egypt by God. One category of nation committed lawlessness, consisting in not comprehending the miracles of the Lord and the mercies of the Lord with which God led them out of Egypt and rebelled at the Red Sea, which is why they died in the wilderness on the way to the Promised Land. The other category of nation, in the form of the chosen by God remnant, did comprehend the miracles of the Lord and the mercies of the Lord with which God led them out of Egypt, <clears throat> and with thanksgiving bowed before God, which is why they were let into the promised land which God with an oath promised to Abraham. And the most surprising is that the category of people, the second category, the chosen by God remnant, was a people that originated from the category of people that did die in the wilderness. And so that God can remember us in his favor for his nation and visit us with his salvation so that we may see the benefits of his chosen, it is necessary for us by the means of repentance in the sins of our fathers, die for the house of our father who came out of Egypt but took Egypt out with them in their hearts. Otherwise, God will not have the, le the legitimate ability to deliver us from Egypt, who hates us, which our fathers brought out with them in their hearts.
they, uh, the symbol of Egypt is the soul, not having the seal of circumcision on it, and that resists the truth. Egypt is the soul that does not have the seal of circumcision and a soul that resists the truth. And when Israel came out, they took Egypt with them. And unfortunately, they died in the wilderness. That's why so many did die, because they came out and they brought it with them. But we need to separate from Egypt. We need to separate from Egypt. We need to understand that Egypt was passed on to us in the sinful conduct of our parents, genetically was passed on to us. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18-21 Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are, are, are in God. If we repent in the sins of our fathers, and it's not just saying, Lord, forgive me for the sins of my fathers. No, we need to reject and deny these sins. When it says to repent, that means to uh, reject these sins. <clears throat> Die for the house of your father. If we do this, God will deliver us from Egypt that has been passed on to us from the sinful seed of our fathers and will give us the ability to see the benefits of the chosen ones and will and rejoice and be glad with his inheritance. Exodus 15.13 You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. In essence, being delivered from Egyptian slavery was not God's goal. God's goal was <coughs> leading his nation into the promised land, which is a symbol of the body where the stronghold of life has been erected, just as our sanctification is not God's goal. God's goal is <coughs> our dedication to Him. And so sanctifying ourselves, I take myself away from Egypt so I can dedicate myself to God, go into the promised land. What is the promised land for us? This is our body. This is the promised land. This is the adoption of our mortal body. It is this promised land for this land of Canaan to become Israel. While there's governing sin upon this land, but when the Holy Spirit begins to rule and govern then it will become Israel. Third purpose contained in the name of God, Redeemer, is called to avenge us, to subdue the people under us, lift us up above those who rise against us, and, de and deliver us from the violent man. The Lord does all this as our Redeemer. Second Samuel 22, 48-51 It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. 
You also lift me up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles, and sing praises to your name. He is the tower of salvation to his king, and shows mercy to his anointed, to David and his descendants forevermore. <clears throat> and to give God the proper ability to be our avenger <clears throat> and our deliverer, because when he redeems us, when he delivers us, <clears throat> he he is in our avenger. He can't deliver us from our enemies, from the from the evil man, unless he avenges us. And so to be our avenger and our deliverer from the foreign nations and the violent man, we need to be a ki- kings and priests as David was, because these enemies reveal themselves when we, we become kings and priests to God. It's very interesting. It turns out that to determine whether a person is a king or a priest, you can determine this by the enemies that you're fighting not just how spiritual you are or how much you understand the truth. You can ask, how do you determine the spiritual level of a person? Reading the uh, works of our uh, Pastor Arkady, you ask the question, who are your enemies? Because these enemies, the violent man, which is Saul, (coughs) and the four nations (coughs) that surrounded him. And so he fought these after he was anointed. Before he was anointed, he did not fight any of these enemies. And they never even saw uh, David as their enemy. But as soon as he was anointed as king, the enemies showed themselves very clearly. And so we can identify our status by our enemies. Who is our enemy? If our enemy are the children of God, clearly we're not kings and priests. Let us see our enemies as who they're supposed to be. And these enemies are the ones the Lord will avenge us. The Lord will avenge us when we give place to his wrath, because the wrath of a man cannot uh, perform the good work of God. Romans twelve nineteen through 21. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But when we begin to avenge ourselves, the Lord says not to do this. It says, give place to God's wrath. Therefore, it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 19 through 21. When David refused to avenge himself uh, and uh, go after after Nabal, if you remember, God killed Nabal. It's very important that when we begin to avenge, we begin to kill those that we're not supposed to. David said, I will kill in the house of Nabal all those, uh, and uh, including uh, dogs, and that included Abigail, and he already was 
pulling, uh, preparing a sword to go and destroy everybody in the house of Nabal. But the Lord said, no, let me avenge you. Abigail helped him so that he not do it and that he allowed the Lord to do it. And he killed Nabal about 10 days after that. This is one illustration. Another, speaking of being delivered <clears throat> from the wicked man, from the violent man, Saul was jealous of him and he did not avenge himself. He did not go after Saul. He had many opportunities to do so. Why? Because you need to clearly understand who the enemy is. Uh, Saul was an enemy that he could not go after. Nabal also, because Nabal relates directly to our soul. 1 Samuel 18, 6 through 9. Now it had happened as they were coming home when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women had come out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines with joy and with musical instruments. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his his ten thousands. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day forward. And so, the violent men are the reasonable abilities of our soul that resist the reasonable abilities of our spirit. The Lord wants to save our soul. They're not a Philistine. It's not a Philistine. He anointed the one and the other. He anointed Saul. Our reasonable abilities are important to God, and He fights with the lusts that arise in us differently than He would fight the fight Saul himself. He fights differently with Nabal because he is the husband of Abigail, and to kill Nabal is to kill Abigail. And so, Lord, how do we do it that we can save Abigail and kill Nabal? He said, stop avenging yourself. Allow me to do some work. I am the Lord who is a redeemer. I am the Lord who is a deliverer. I can avenge you. I know the goal and I know how I can do it. The Philistines, they were the uh, enemy that David easily can destroy. But he behaved again very differently than Nabal and Saul. This is also an, uh, a type of enemy, but this is a type of enemy the Lord wants to put through the process of death and save. Being delivered from the foreigners is being delivered from the corrupt desires of your soul, which is ruled by governing sin with living in our body, the old man who is a programmable system of the fallen cherubim. First Chronicles 14.8 Now when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went out against them. Until we are anointed as king, rulers or kings over our body to adopt it by the redemption of Christ, not the Philistines or Saul, can be our enemies. And so furthermore, God, as our Redeemer, will not have the ability to deliver us from the Philistines or Saul who threatens us. All of these enemies, the Philistines and Saul, 
can only be an enemy for one that is anointed as a king, as David was. We find this very interesting. We can determine by our enemy our own anointing, whether we're kings and priests. And you can determine this again by your enemies in the form of the Philistines. And David went against, he rose against them. He went out to fight them. The Philistines are the corrupt desires of the soul who is being led by governing sin, living in our body, the old man. All these desires, they need to be put to death. But when the enemy in the form of Saul comes out, the Lord says, be careful, I anointed him. You need to be careful with this enemy. And so he was very careful because the reasonable abilities are important, very important. Without them, we will not be able to place the Word of God into our heart. This is a very important area, and we need to renew our mind with the spirit of our mind. We need to renew our mind, not destroy our mind. Renew your mind, it says, with the spirit of your mind. The Philistines, you don't need to renew. This is an enemy you need to destroy. And so we have enemies, our Saul. And so as soon as David was anointed, he began to fight. Saul began to fight him. And so the one enemy, again, God wants to renew. The other, he wants to destroy. And so the Philistines, we, we avenge ourselves against the Philistines ourselves. But Saul, we allow God to avenge us because he's, he, he's wanting to renew him. fourth purpose contained in the name of God Redeemer is called to ransom us from the power of the grave and redeem us from death. Hosea 13.14 I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. This is one of the glorious and precious promises placed as head at the head of our calling, as it were. And it can only be achieved when we collaborate with God with uh, to do so. And this contains the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. And we then will replace the stronghold of death with the stronghold of life in our body. Fulfilling this promise in its consistency belongs to the door of our hope, which upon practice means before we meet with Christ upon the clouds, the Lord has promised to return to us our vineyards, the valley of Accor, and our youth in the form of an incorrupt or immortal body. Hosea 2, 14, 15. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, will bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there, and the valley of Accor as a door of hope, from there, it says, from the wilderness, I will give her her vineyards. From there, I will give her the ability to perform God's judgments. And will and she will allow me to judge those that I need to, the Lord is saying. I'll give her her vineyards from there. And also the valley of Accor as a door of hope. 
She shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. The symbol of the wilderness, where the Lord allures his chosen by God, rem- by, by him remnant, and will speak to her heart and give the give her the vineyards and valley of Accord. They will sing there as in the days of their youth. This is a symbol of absolute sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication to God in accordance to the demands of Scripture. Therefore, this promise for the category of people that walk before God in faith in all generations, this was their calling, this was their faith, this was their very purpose that they strive for. And so this is, again, our faith, our calling, and this is what we strive for. Hebrews 11, 13 through 40. 13 through 16, and then 39 through 40. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunities to return. I look today at today's generation and our forefathers also. And uh, we look at our forefathers. There were a lot of zealous people who loved God. And the church, knowing you're coming, is not ready at all to greet the Lord. The time where it's most important to, uh, to prepare for His coming is a very interesting time. And so again, they died with the promise. And so they needed to, they, they're going to resurrect from the dead, and then we together, we all receive the promise. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a, a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, and then 39 through 40. And so this perfection the Lord has uh, left for our generation, not because we're better than them, but He wanted us together with these generations, these other former generations, together with all the saints, to be able to take hold of this calling if he God gave to them but what about us how would we have received it if they would have received it already he loves us also that's why and so and this includes every person in any church that has uh, has this promise in them we need to collaborate with the principles contained in his name and that includes the name Redeemer, called to redeem us from the power of hell and deliver us from death, abiding in our body. And the principle of collaboration to be delivered from death and hell is the responsibility of our tongue 
confessing the faith of God abiding in our heart in the form of the received by us promise in the format of the seed of the preached to us word, which we are called to grow into fruit in accordance with the nature of the seed. And so grow the fruit according to the nature of the seed we receive. And we need to proclaim the faith we've received into our heart. Matthew 12, 35-37 A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. <clears throat> when we confess the faith of, of God abiding in our heart, proclaiming the not existent as existent, we ratify the legality of the truth that abides within us, this promise within us, which allows God within the time that he decides to fulfill this promise. And so collaborating, we confess the word of God. We proclaim the not existent as existent because we need to, in our life, ratify, make legal this promise that's within us, make it legit. A very interesting fourth purpose, fifth purpose, contained in the name of God Redeemer, is called to deliver us from the dominance of carnal leaders who make the heart of the righteous sad and strengthen the hands of the wicked. And these kinds of leaders unfortunately exist in, in multitudes of churches. Ezekiel 13, 21 through 23. I will also tear off your veils. The Lord wants to tear off certain veils from their, from heads. So they not be under the veil of the authority of these kinds of leaders. And deliver my people out of your hand. And they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hands of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. Therefore you shall no longer envision futility, nor practice divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord." An interesting prophecy that the Lord has spoken uh, by Ezekiel against these leaders who, with deception, make the heart of the righteous sad and support the hands of the wicked, <clears throat> considering that the, mo the majority of saints are under the covering of these kinds of wicked and lawless people, leaders. They have the look of godliness but have denied its power. This promise sheds light uh, in the way that the Lord will show his mercy <clears throat> and how he will deliver them from these evil and lawless people. Wicked and lawless leaders are people that have come to power over the inheritance of God but not in a legal way. And here are some of the ways that they come to power. <clears throat> and so when you follow a person, follow a leader, you need to check who these people are. 
here's some of the ways that they come to power, either democratically by the majority vote, either by performing di uh, division, which is contrary to the teaching of Christ, either ascribing to themselves the revelations given to the messengers of God, either by the way of personal ambitions, either relying on various prophecies that deceived them, either by the way of laying on of hands of carnal leaders. <clears throat> These are some of the ways uh, how the lawless and wicked leaders come to power. All of these categories of leaders that come to power over the church and the saints will make the heart of righteous people sad and will support or strengthen the hands of the wicked. The apostles of Christ in their writings very, very clearly identified the characteristics of these false teachers that you can identify and not listen to their uh, words which are contrary to the words of Christ. Here's one of those places, Second Peter 2, 1 through 9, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who, bu who bought them and denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words, for a long time their judgments has not been idle, and their destruction d does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making an example of those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for the righteous man dw dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the, un the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. We need to keep in mind that the deliverance of God will be in the preached word of his messengers and it will work when a person will be able to see and understand who they who he is following, following who he's obeying and where he's going. If a person is resisting the truth, then God, in the power of his name, Redeemer, will avenge his people because he's resisting the truth so he could satisfy the holiness of his law. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan and all power signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so why does scripture say they knew who they were following the mystery of lawlessness is at work. They knew who they, who they were following. 
they did not receive the true the truth they did not receive the messengers of God why because they did not receive the love of the truth or their salvation and so of course you can blame uh, saying oh the terrible leaders are bad teachers terrible teachers and when sin is revealed everyone closes their eyes and ears and no one wants to talk or see what does this say because these people knew that their leader was a lawless and wicked person and they closed their eyes to these things and continue to stay sit in the same pew, uh, pews and they hate the truth and Apostle Paul says may they all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness they don't want to come out of Babylon they want to continue to stay because to come out of Babylon you need to die for the house of your father you need to die for your nation for your personal desires but this is only possible when a person has received the truth but people did not receive love for the truth and and in this way he has condemned them to death <clears throat> sixth purpose contained in the name of God Redeemer is called to make itself known by rendering vengeance to our enemy so you can receive atonement for your land and your people Deuteronomy 32, 39 through 43. Now see that I, even I, am He, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, nor is there anyone who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, As I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall be de shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge with the blood of his servants and render vengeance for to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his vengeance. The Gentiles are the enemies of the Lord, as the corrupt uh, desires within our body as well as carnal and fleshly Christians that fill the churches today there is of course an exception to this world to this rule this is also a symbol of Gentiles in, that are in the status of the servants of the Lord <clears throat> what servants of the Lord in the format of the members of our body <clears throat> that are presented to God as tools of righteousness they're presented to God as tools of righteousness and that's to them to these uh, to our the members of our body that are tools of righteousness that it says to rejoice Gentiles with his with my nation And this is not the only place where the Gentiles in the form of Philistines are actually presented in a positive light. The personal army of David consisted of people of the Philistine nation when all of Israel rejected him and turned away from him and was were uh, carried and attracted by the 
by the wickedness of Absalom, <clears throat> they were they were convinced by the the deception of Absalom. Uh, his army then had to consist of the Philistines or those who believed in David. Second Samuel fifteen eighteen through twenty two. Then all his servants passed before him, and all the Cherites and the Pelatites and all the Jit, uh, the Gitz, Gittites. 600 men who had followed him from Gath passed before the king. Then the king said to to Ittai the Gittite. And so Ittai the Gittite, uh, the Gittites are from Gath. Goliath himself was also a Gittite, and uh, David had killed Goliath, if you remember. And so of that nation, of those people, uh, this gentleman, Ittai, was one of them. And so this is our body, the members of our body that have become tools of righteousness, our mortal body. And so then the king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why are you also going with us? Return and remain with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your own place. In fact, you came only yesterday. Should I make you wander up and down with us today? Since I go, I know not where. Return and take your brethren back. Mercy and truth be with you. But Ittai answered the king and said, As the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. So David said to Ittai, Go and cross over. Then Ittai the Gittite and all his men and all the little ones who were with him crossed over. Second Samuel fifteen eighteen through 22 When King Saul pursued David, Akish from Gath uh, uh, during this time gave uh, David refuge at this time. And so the, he was uh, he did so much good for him that even the most powerful and and David's uh, he was righteous and so the people even some of the most powerful within the nation of these Philistines uh, men who were had great power uh, submitted to him and and helped him and and supported him. <clears throat> And so our body, when it sees that what our spirit is doing, with what our renewed mind is doing, our Gittites, our, those of Gath, they begin to serve together with, they begin to join them. Let's see how Akish, the king of Gath, uh, he, he hid Saul. Uh, he hid David, not Saul. He hid, he hid David. First Samuel 27, 2 through 6. Then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him in Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow.
And it was told Saul, and it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath. So he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have now found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there, for they should. So why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore Ziglag has, be has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. And so Ziglag, he is a, he told him, give him, give me, this is the city that he wanted, this is the city that he needed. And so this is our vessel, our vessel of our heart. Just at the small city of Saigor. That belonged, uh, if you remember, during the time of Lot. It was necessary for the confessions of the faith of our heart. The small little Philistine Ziglag that had become then David's was also a symbol of our tongue that works together with our new person. Psalm 81.1 To the chief musician on an instrument of Gath is Psalm of Asaph. And so for our spirit... Uh, for our spirit and so the gath is symbol symbolically again as we could see here Ziglag also this is a symbol of our tongue for the confessions Saigor if you remember it needed to be burned burned with fire but a lot had asked can I go to Saigor and I'll, the Lord had allowed him to go there and that very little very small little city was preserved while everything else was destroyed and David uh, uh, had asked for a place, and he was given Ziglag. And he told uh, him that you could keep everything else, just give me the small place. I just need this gentle and meek tongue. And so David, in this situation, was the tool of righteousness. The Gentiles, the Philistines, were actually the members of his body. But what members of his body? the members of the body that were given as tools of righteousness. Although the m members of the body are given as tools of righteousness, they cannot possess righteousness. And so the mortal body, it cannot... And so they're called Philistines. If you notice, it still knows them as Philistines. They didn't... Uh, weren't changed. Their titles or names weren't changed. They still were foreigners. It is it's still mortal and corrupt. First Corinthians fifteen forty-seven through fifty. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. And so the reason why the mortal body, given as tool, a tool of righteousness, 
can't celebrate together with the new person is because of the waiting for the adoption of the body by the redemption of Christ where the mortal body being cleansed from the existing in it governing sin in the form of the old man with his deeds it is cleansed and delivered by God and is changed into an immortal body this is how our Gentiles are able to rejoice together with our new person with the Israelite nation this is possible when we have the promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ the Philistine city Gath this is a, a wine press this is judgment over the wicked within ourselves as well as out of ourselves in the form of carnal and fleshly Christians and so jo- the joy of the Gentiles together with his remnant is a, is a situation that is the calling and goal of every person who is in the category of God's chosen remnant Psalm 16 7 through 11 I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel my heart also instructs me in the night seasons I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh also will rest in hope this is Ziglag for you will not leave my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption You shall show me the path of life. In your presence is fulfill is fullness of joy. At your hand, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm sixteen seven through eleven. And so this is how the Lord saves our body. But until it is yet saved, and as it is still mortal, we. Where says my flesh also will rest in hope. And so to save the mortal soul, it's necessary to lose it in the death of the Lord Jesus so we can obtain it again in resurrection. When we obtain our soul in res- the resurrection of Christ, our soul living within our mortal body feels as if it's in hell. And this body is still waiting for it to be clothed into incorruption. Or immortality <clears throat> as you notice here he says for you will not leave my my soul in Sheol nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption <clears throat> and so it lives renewed in our body and we're talking about the state of our, our soul and living within this mortal body our soul will feel like it's living in a hell uh, until the renewal of the body happens and so it says it says here you will not allow your holy one to see corruption we need to remove corruption the concluding phrase for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. 
atonement for the land is the atonement of our conscience from dead works and the cleansing of the nations that are God's belonging is to have a threshing floor where you can grind your grain and cleanse it from the chaff. Luke 3, 16, 17, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to, to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. <laughs> this was the sixth purpose. Lord wants to adopt our body, and while it's not yet adopted, our renewed soul will experience as if hell within our body until this time. <clears throat> and so it's perfectly stated here in the psalm that we've been reading, where, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. <clears throat> In other words, my mortal body will not see corruption. It will be delivered from this corruption. And you will erect the stronghold of life in my body. Because for the Lord to take corruption and make it heavenly, first, it's, it's necessary for him, for him to do it in resurrection, or the resurrection of Christ. And so until the time of rapture, this is will be a, this will be a body where the res, uh, resurrection of Christ is already there. Seventh purpose contained in the name of God, Redeemer, is called to make itself known in delivering our soul from the pit of corruption and cast all of our sins behind our back. Isaiah 38:17. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption for you have cast all my sins behind your back. And so again, we see here that you have cast all my sins behind you. He redeemed us. He cast all of our sins behind our back. The words of this prayer belong to an Israelite king who had uh, had a fatal illness. And he then received the words uh, that from a prophet that he would not die prematurely. The reason why Hezekiah had gotten sick with this fatal or uh, fatal illness was because of his sins, and we can conclude this by his prayer. And so you need to acknowledge the sin in this circumstance as we know the, what, what needs to be done acknowledge the sin and repent for the sins and it needs to be done before a delegated person that is from him who is given the ability to forgive sins or retain sins the Lord can cast all of our sins behind his back if we have acknowledged and, and condemned our sin and have repented for our sins before his messenger John twenty twenty one through 23. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. 
And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So the Lord uses his messengers. In our life, he he uses our pastor uh, to... So we have the ability that our sins be forgiven. He said about the apostles, who you forgive the sins will be forgiven, the sins you retain will be retained. And so you need to condemn those sins and confess those sins. But what if you acknowledge the sin and have condemned it, and but have not confessed it? The Lord will not be able to cast it behind his back. Because we will receive forgiveness by asking the Lord for forgiveness, but we are not being justified. We need to be justified in the process. If you want to receive justification, you need to come to a priest. And to receive justification, the priest that represents God, God's delegation, he needs to put the sins upon Azazel, who will be then released into a dry place where he cannot come back from. And so our forgiveness, when we ask the Lord for forgiveness, we need to ask for this forgiveness, but we also need to be justified. We need to confess these sins so we can receive justification because I can't justify myself. I come to court and you're asked who's representing you you say I represent myself but you can't represent yourself Uh, you have to have someone represent you you just say well I'm good I'm I'm no longer going to do the things I did I represent me no somebody has to come and represent you whom God has sent in your life in this situation we need to understand this what forgiveness is and what justification is Forgiveness is condemning and repenting for your sins, but you also confess them. Job 33, 14 through 30. For God may speak in one way or in another, yet man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men while slumbering in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals seals their instruction in order to turn man from his deed and conceal pride from man. He keeps back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. Man is also chastened with pain on his bed and the strong pain in many of his bones, so that his life abhors bread and his soul succulent food. His flesh wastes away from sight and his bones stick out which once were not seen. Yes, his soul draws near the pit and his life to the executioners. If there is a messenger for him, a mediator, one among a thousand, to show men his uprightness, then he is gracious to him and says, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. And so, again, it's asking here, if there's a messenger for him, a mediator, one among among a thousand, to show man his uprightness. 
And so if there is a messenger for him, a mediator among a, among a thousand, then he is gracious to him. He says, deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be young like a child. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray to God and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy, with joy, for he restores to man his righteousness. Then he looks at men and says, I have sinned and perverted what was right and did not profit me. He will redeem his soul from going down to the pit and his life shall see the light. Behold, God works all these things twice, in fact, three times with a man to bring back his soul from the pit that he may be enlightened with the light of life. And so, two times, three times, a person acknowledges the sin and confesses the sin. If we have this person that we can come and repent before confess the sins, a messenger from God, let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be upon this place where the remembrance of your holy name is. We thank you that we today see this remembrance in the words that you have given us. Thank you that this word that has been received into our heart and has the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of these words. Thank you for this water that is upon this place where your remembrance is. It is in this place and in our heart also. In our heart there will not be dry places. In our heart where there will be truth and the Holy Spirit. We thank you that our heart is filled with your Holy Spirit. We received him as our Lord and our Master of our life. We have not received him as a guest. We received him first as a guest, but then so that he become then our master, so that this water, godly water, would fill our heart and become a stream for our soul and body. <clears throat> Thank you for the rivers of living water that today flow from this place that we have received into our heart, and we thank you that all those who believe in you, all those who have loved your truth, that today these streams of life, your life, would be able to cover all of the areas of our essence that are in the state of death. Thank you for those revelations that your chosen nation, that today our renewed mind together with our spirit can rejoice before you together with the Gentiles, together with our body. We today come before your face with our mortal body, a body that, that where the resurrection of Christ has not yet been enthroned. But today this resurrection of Christ is ratified because David, in the form of our sacred person, received the power, received the right to this water, to the, our gentle mouth. And 
in the form of the city, Ziglag, we can rejoice and be glad. We thank you that we have understood this truth, we have received this truth, that today we can live amongst the all-consuming fire, that we have received this great inheritance for our body, for our Gentiles, for those who once were your enemies, who had done deeds that are shameful, but today our body and the members of our body are renewed and are members of righteousness. And they serve you today together with our spirit and are the guards of our spirit, bodyguards. And when we want to do something because we're in the mood, our body is a guard. It stands up and commands. We thank you that our body is your army that has surrounded our spirit. We thank you, Lord, that today our salvation by listening to the word of God is not just in our spirit, but also our soul and our body. We thank you, Lord, for our small city, Saigor and Ziglag, that upon and upon this place we praise you, we lift you up, we thank you. And we today proclaim your judgments over the lawless and the wicked who legalize lawlessness, legalize the, the lawless and don't speak from the heart of Zion. Lord, cleanse your sons and show your judgments. Deliver your inheritance from the slavery. May, in the name of Jesus Christ, these coverings be removed. Allow your inheritance. Allow and acknowledge, allow them to acknowledge and receive your order and your messenger by obeying your truth. We thank you that we have loved the truth for our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we have loved your Zion and have united with your Zion for the sake of our salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we have received the angel, the instructor, the messenger from a thousand others for our own salvation. Because you said that you would deliver us from our graves. <clears throat> you will turn away the pit if we receive this angel and instructor. Thank you for this messenger, this person whom you sent into our life. We thank you for him, for our pastor, Pastor Arkady. We thank you for those precious truths that were in your mystery but have been revealed to us in the service through your person. He serves with the Spirit, serves you. And we pray, Lord, that your mercy come swiftly 
so that we can meet soon, so we can hear the words for our own salvation. Remember the covenant that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that has become for us real because of your son, Jesus Christ. Remember, and for the sake of your covenant and for the sake of your oath, restore your inheritance. We thank you, Lord, that you have revealed your mercy and have returned to us the vineyards, and we see how your judgments are being poured upon upon Babylon, and we thank you and we pray. May Babylon fall before your face, and may all those be condemned who have hated your truth for their salvation. And may your Zion be blessed. May Jerusalem be blessed. May the place of your celebration be blessed. Thank you for your mercy. We receive it. Our great God, Son and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.